If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of the Early Excellence Podcast. In this week's episode, we're joined by Kate Jingles and the EYFS team from Newcastle High School for Girls. As part of our chat, we discuss something that is a real focus for the team up there in Newcastle at the moment, and that is developing meaningful mathematical opportunities as part of their practice. As you listen in, there's lots to explore here and all sorts of things that I think will really get you thinking about how you teach mathematics within your own setting. So here you go. Here's my Early Excellence podcast chat with Kate Jingles and the team from Newcastle High School for Girls. I'm joined by Kate and by Joanne and by Louise, who are at Newcastle High School for Girls. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, are you all well? Yes, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Very good, very good. And um, do you want to, should we start with a, with a little introduction? Do you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Because I know you're quite a new team, aren't you? We're a new team working together. So um, my name's Kate Jingles and I'm the early years lead here at Newcastle High School for Girls. Um, I joined a year ago and at that point Joanne was working with me in, um, in reception. And this year Joanne's taken over as nursery class teacher and our colleague Louise has joined us from another school who's teaching alongside me in reception. So we're a new team of three teachers um, working here with a, a larger team of teaching assistants as well. Um, so yeah, new to new to this little team together, but we're focusing a lot on maths, which I know we're going to talk about today, um, because it's kind of been passions of all of ours, but in different places and from different directions. Brilliant. Um, you have um, nursery, of course, as well as reception. Yes. So girls can join us from when they turn three. So we've got young young nursery girls um, up until the end of reception. Uh, fantastic. And but it's two separate classes or two separate rooms. Yeah. Yeah. But presumably you work closely as a team across across the whole of that. Yes, definitely. And we're really trying to build that flow of how things go from nursery into reception. And it can be quite tricky sometimes with that two two year nursery with your nursery one and nursery two cohorts to make sure you've got the progression and then that reception's moving on from that. So it's definitely a kind of focus of trying to pull everything together and make sure we've got that progression across. Yeah, fantastic. Super. And um, when we were chatting, Kate, we were talking, weren't we, a couple of weeks ago about about the idea of, you know, what is it that we could talk about? And uh, I asked if you'd got anything specific that you felt that actually was something that you're working on or you felt was a real strength of the team at the moment that you're putting together. And you said straight away you came up with maths and you said, yeah, maths would be the thing that we really want to talk about, that, you, that you've got lots of things that you want to share with us, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. I think for two reasons. I think one, being in a girls' school, it's really nice to... Um, I think it's a kind of high profile in our minds. We're thinking, you know, obviously STEM careers have often got that kind of stereotype of being quite male dominated. Girls can sometimes have that fear of failure and that lack of confidence in maths. And we really, really want to avoid that. We want girls to feel really confident about maths. We want them to enjoy maths, be excited about it. Um, and also from my previous role um, working for the local authority, maths was something that was an interest then because we often found that where early years teams had a really strong focus on their phonics and knew exactly what they were doing and when they were teaching it and what the progression was, maths was sometimes a little bit 
a bit more left to chance, I suppose. There wasn't that kind of quite such a, a, a strong focus on exactly what came where. So we really want to kind of make sure we get that right um, yeah. and make sure we do have that progression and that challenge. Um, and with the girls we have, we do have some girls, don't we, who are, who are bright girls. They come to us from, from very privileged positions, some of them, you know, with supportive home lives, lots of experience. Um, and they've got a lot of that... Um, early mathematical knowledge but not necessarily the number sense so we often have you know they'll come to Joanna yeah. nursery won't they Joanna yeah. say I've got a lot of girls coming in being able to count up to 10 up to 20 and number recognition but it's that deeper understanding of the threeness of three um, and subitizing and things like that which is where I'm seeing where we can help and support and work mm-hmm. on at the moment and hand in hand with that is the expectation of parents because I think a lot of parents in the past have expected that their girls are going to know the numbers to 100 and it's almost like a race and um, but it's a marathon not a sprint and it's not about knowing those numbers and recognizing them it's about that deep number sense and that understanding and um, so we have to share that with parents to kind of make them aware of what we're doing Mm-hmm. that the challenge is actually mm-hmm. there and just because they might not know all of the numbers to a thousand by the time they leave nursery <laughs> doesn't mean that they're not making progress mm-hmm. it was one of the things we really focused on in that first meeting we had with parents at the beginning of the you know the welcome meeting with parents we talked a bit about the phonics scheme that we use and we did talk about early maths as well yeah. and explained how we do use lots of games and it is about subitizing louise explained to the parents what subitizing was because often you know we yeah. know that word but parents don't know that word and and they found it and we were showing them some of the examples of games that we play in the classroom and how that actually works for the girls and what the girls are getting out of that the different skills and there's so many mathematical skills that can be incorporated into really simple games and um, so the girls think they're having a great time when really we're really developing that early number sense and yes yeah, absolutely. So uh, and enjoyment and having fun. And 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 to be honest, I, I know it sounds like a, a an odd thing to say, but the enjoyment of it is crucial, isn't it? You know that we're what yeah. we're aiming for is is that enjoyment of mathematics. You know, it's it's written there within the statutory framework, isn't it, for the EYFS? That what we're aiming for is for children to enjoy mathematics, because so often in the past, you know, the. You hear from, I, I talk to people all the time, who you know, often early as teachers who say, you know, they didn't uh-huh. enjoy maths themselves at school, but that actually they actually enjoy maths now in terms of them teaching it because they they have that sense of empathy, I suppose, of what it's like to not enjoy maths. TAs, and there's a couple of TAs who've said that at school themselves, yeah. they hated maths and they're quite keen to to not be make it be like that for our girls so it, yes. it, it's kind of flipping it over mm-hmm. and, and, and making them enjoy and understand mm-hmm. it as well. There's often that feeling of, oh, I wish somebody had, had taught math to me like this. I wish it hadn't been that yeah. feeling that, oh, there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. And we're really trying to make our mathematical activities feel more exploratory, playful. more playful. Uh-huh. I think that's a word that we're talking about a lot in maths is playful. I'm very inspired by Helen Williams' book, Playful Mathematics, and yes. and trying to build that element into our curriculum um, and really rethinking kind of how we how we shape the shape the direction of the curriculum really and base it on the play rather than trying to plough through objective after objective after objective. Absolutely, yeah, definitely, I, and I think that open ended nature of mathematics is important. That, as you say, the exploratory nature of it, where 
it's not about being right or being wrong, but about oh. about seeing it almost in a scientific way of being interested in the exploration of it, the exploration of number or the exploration of shape and the understanding of it through that exploration. I think that's a very different way of looking at mathematics than perhaps we have had in previous years. Yeah, I think it's become like that for us as a team as well. I think we've all become... Um, you know, quite fascinated by it and quite fascinated yeah. by how the girls do develop those skills and what skills they do have when they come to us and which skills they don't have and the things we're surprised by. Um, and it's all very natural and organic. It just, it comes from the girls. We're not forcing things on them. So they're at ease and it's, you know, it's more authentic. It's what they know and us supporting that and developing that rather than saying, like, today we are going to learn number one. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you yes. can pull what yeah. they know and build on that rather than yes. being a prescribed lesson. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So what was the starting point, you know, or when was the starting point for this development of mathematics at the, at the school within the YFS? Was there a particular point when, when you thought, actually, this is the beginning of things, that we're moving things forward in a different way? It's really this term. We're really kind of really focusing on this term because last year we had um, a math scheme that we were following. When I joined the school, I kind of felt very conscious that we needed something to follow for maths. And and I had some new staff in the team at that point as well and people who needed a bit of support with their planning and trying to do that um, with a scheme. But as I was kind of watching the year unfold, I started to notice that actually having that scheme, you need an awful lot of subject knowledge behind it first yes. of all, in order for it to work. Um, and secondly, in terms of that challenge it, it, and meeting the different girls' abilities, I didn't feel it was working for us because we had some girls who, you know, like we say, they did know numbers to 100, they can count, they can do all these things. We had other girls who needed lots and lots of support. So just going through numbers kind of, well, we're doing four today and we're doing five next week and all of those kinds of things, it just wasn't quite hitting the mark. So I thought, let's just look at this in a different way this time and start off in a different direction. So... We're still at that stage, really, where we are exploring this, trying things out. And I don't yeah. think it will ever be something that's finished, if I'm honest. I think our maths curriculum documents... Will evolve. Yeah. Evolve. And with the different cohorts as well at Definitely. Laval. And we've already changed things this term, haven't yeah. we? Where we've we put a game in about... Um, Feel, the, feel the number, which Louise can explain in a minute. And then we realise, oh, hang on, we haven't spent any time yet looking at um, five frames. And we're trying to now look at ten frames. So we've swapped things around already in terms of which order we want to do them in. So it's... We're trying not to be too tied to something and just to be able to watch what the girls can do, watch what they can't do, and then and plan from there, plan like we would with every, any other area of learning, I suppose, and treat maths in the same way. Yes, which, make, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That you, that you look at it not just in terms of, say, following a scheme, but think about mm-hmm. it in terms of actually the quality of the teaching and learning experience overall. Yeah. I think um, schemes, as you say, I think can be, can be great in that... They, they are obviously written by people who are very knowledgeable around a particular subject area um, and they give you, a, give you a structure to work from that is great in terms of working with a team or perhaps a new team. But at the same time, I think we have to be quite cautious with them in that the schemes, of course, are written by people who don't know our children and don't know your children. Mm-hmm. And so whilst the framework itself can be useful, we've also got to be aware that actually we we know our children and we know our children best. And I think you've got to have that flexibility to be able to say, well, actually, at this point, I'm going to step away from what it says there, because what I'm seeing in terms of the children is that they didn't get that and it's not right to move on yet. Or it is. Mm-hmm. 
I, I need to explore that in more depth first with them in a different way, perhaps. So I, I think all of that. It's having that confidence, isn't it? And I think we talked about that a bit the other day when we were we were talking about what we wanted to say today, but having that confidence as a team to say, actually, it's okay not to follow that scheme. Yeah. It's okay not to just tick off the, the things in development matters. Um, and that's about partly, you know, us being, although we're a new team together, we're experienced teachers and that helps, I think, because you, you yeah. feel that sense that actually I do know what I'm doing. Um, but I think it's the permission yeah. as well. And I'm kind of, yeah. I'm really trying to establish an ethos within the team that we can try things and it doesn't matter if it goes wrong, we'll just try it a different way next time. And yeah. you can learn from it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, know, yeah. you were saying the other day, Louise, how you plan something with a little bit of a scheme and then a bit yeah. more teacher knowledge with you so you can because we've had that experience of working with different schemes and seeing things that do work things that don't work you can kind of pluck your favorite parts the things that have been more successful and mix it together in a beautiful mathematical milkshake <laughs> I like that phrase. <laughs> I know we thought it might be a nice title for a book. Mathematical <laughs> milkshake. Hold on to that. That's crazy. Yeah, great. Copyright. And it's quite exciting as well to see what you can create and the mm. girls, the the fun that they're having. They were jumping for joy the other day and um, playing a game that they'd chosen to play themselves, one that we'd done in our main teaching session. And they were literally jumping for joy and cheering each other on because they were having such a good time. But they're learning as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. That's when I feel like we're being successful when we see the girls doing, playing the games that we've been introducing in, in the provision. I think that's when you think this is working. So we'll kind of our general approach will be we'll introduce a game at the beginning of the week and we'll play it together on the carpet. We'll model how that works. And then those resources go out into the provision. And we're seeing them already, you know, this early stage in reception, we're seeing them pick up those resources, play those games. Um, and that's when you think, actually, I think this is this is definitely the right way to go to this is working because they're having that opportunity to revisit the same as you would with reading. You know, you'd read the same picture book that you love over and over again. You're yeah. playing the same maths game over and over again so that you're building those skills. And the mathematical language that goes along with it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. I agree. I, and I think that, I think there are two things there really that are really important. I think, first of all, that that you are giving the children the opportunity to for you to show them how to play something so how how to get the most out of a particular set of resources but then also for that resource to then go into the learning environment provides them with the opportunity to do it more independently and then to see how far you can go with it which i think is really interesting mm-hmm. um so i that and i don't think we often see that link between what we're teaching directly and what we can then place within the environment you know that 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 link between the the teaching and the environment, I think, is crucial. Yeah, it's easy for it to become separate, isn't it? It's easy to kind of yeah. think, all oh, right, this is what I'm planning and this is what I'm teaching, and then oh, this is what I've got to put out in the areas and I've got to set up my room. Yeah. And actually, you're making your life so much easier if you can think about that as a whole. Yeah. So 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 um, preparing the ground by teaching a skill or teaching how to use a particular game within a small group or within the whole group and then for it to be added into the environment makes sense actually I think because mm-hmm. you're showing the children how to get the most out of it whereas I think sometimes I think the two things are seen as separate the teaching is one thing and the environment is another thing and mm-hmm. and almost that within the environment we add things in and then we expect children to just use them yeah. But they need really quite often to be shown what it is. They, it's not, 
it can't ever just be a, a kind of guess what's in the teacher's head sort of thing, yeah, you know, which yeah. I think sometimes it ends up being. Um, so, yeah. And I also think as well that what you were saying about repeating things, you know, being able to go back to that mm -hmm. game, just like repeating reading a book mm -hmm. is important because children learn through that repetition. They learn things. Be their learning becomes embedded because of that repetition. And, and where I think repetition is sometimes given a bit of a bad press, actually, I would say it's important because, because children need that, that learning to be embedded over time. Austin talk a lot about that learning over time. You know, is it really embedded? Has it been properly learned or has it gone kind of thing? And I think if we just teach something in one week and then we move on, then that learning might have been there at the end of that week when we taught it, but it's not likely to be there three weeks later. Whereas if you provide an opportunities within the environment to embed it, then you are much more likely to embed that learning over time in the way that you've talked about. It's crucial for the yeah. maths, isn't it? You know, those no number early learning goals that we've had for a year now but you know that bit about knowing number bonds within five that everybody kind of panicked about when they first saw actually that doesn't feel like a panic now yes. because we're playing these games that are reinforcing those skills you know the games that have got five frames they've got 10 frames they've got those visual representations of number they've got those subitizing skills that actually of course they will just know that two and three is five or that seven and three is ten by the end of reception because they've played it so many so many times with all the mm -hmm. different games they've been doing and they've had access to those resources um in the environment yeah. you had a nice example joanne about glue sticks and five frames and yeah nursery. so how we in both a nursery and reception is setting up the environment with it's it's a means to tidying up in a way but we've got five frames so that they know when they're putting the glue sticks away there's four in the spaces and there's one space missing so they can immediately think oh there's one missing but that eventually leads to four and one more makes five and it's in nursery and reception that's three frames five frames and then we build on that as they move mm -hmm. into reception um so it's using what's in their environment and weaving that into every moment and we do it through self-registration mm -hmm. as well yeah through five frames and ten frames and you guys every use that as part of our daily introductions and sessions how many of you here have is it full is it half you know it's the empty spaces and we um use that language all the time with yeah. them yes yeah, so it's happening every day yeah. so actually it becomes very very embedded um and knowledge that they can then use because that's what you want isn't it? you don't want them to just know the fact but you want them to have that knowledge they can use to do something purposeful and it comes from the girls as well so we have a 10 frame for self-registration and the girls yesterday um, noticed a different 10 frame and some magnetic spots so they decided they wanted to put their picture up as normal but also put a spot up and then we had a discussion and comparison do the spot 10 frames match the same number as the picture 10 frames? So it's just, that was their idea. I hadn't planned that, but because the resources were available, um, they, they loved it. And we had that comparison and it didn't actually match because someone hadn't put a spot. So then we talked about how we could get it to match and what had gone wrong and, and they loved it. And that was from them. Yes, yeah. And often the, often having those open-ended materials does lead to that kind of exploration where they'll yeah, take yeah. it on, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think the resources are crucial that, that we use, and we use a lot of open-ended um, yeah. resources, a lot of loose parts, a lot of natural resources to try yes. and get that language and try and encourage a richer variety of language. So we did a lot of work the first week of reception with um, 
a string of the picture book, a string of beads, and the girls were threading real beads from sort of necklaces that had broken and things like that. But they were all different shapes and interesting shapes. So we had conversations about spheres and cubes. And is it a sphere or is it a cube? Because it did, it had faces, but the edges were rounded. This particular bead, and you know that would never have come up in a math scheme in week one of reception. But because the resources were real. the way they were and real and authentic, like Joanne said before, it it promotes those conversations and it promotes that mathematical language in a much richer way. Yeah. So presumably, well, I, I'm guessing that you've had to look at resourcing, have you, in terms of sort of, say, five frames or 10 frames or open ended materials. Is it something yeah. you've had to focus in on more? Is it something you've I always think, had or maybe or maybe you have had to kind of? I think it's something definitely when I joined the school last year, I brought a lot of five frames and 10 frames in. So that was something that definitely we kind of needed to introduce to kind of have more of those in provision and more of those of more of a variety of visual representations of number and subitizing images and things like that around the environment. And we were saying the other day, I think very naturally, without even really thinking about it, we've all kind of transformed our classrooms in a way that kind of without meaning to some of the things like the compare bears which you know there's nothing wrong with a compare bear but those things have become less important and things like the the glass beads or the button box and you know those (laughs) things have become more valuable and and more central um and when they've become central in one area they've kind of spread so now we've got you know in the block area we've got lots of different loose parts and in you've got an area in nursery haven't you where you've got kind of lots of loose parts they can access and do different things with um so the it's kind of like we said before it's kind of it has evolved and I think it's just I suppose when we start using one thing you realize the value of it and then well you don't want to put those away because actually you're getting loads out of them yeah, we need more storage um, yeah I think storage <laughs> is always a problem isn't it and the and cupboards think, under the stairs for the girls as well a lot of the things we use like the buttons the beads they're things that are attractive and interesting to them and things that they have in their own homes mm-hmm. so when we're sending little homeworks home or ideas for parents it's things that they can pull out the pasta shells mm-hmm. or a, an old box of buttons and mm-hmm. use them for maths yeah. rather than thinking oh I've got to order yeah, the latest have, set yeah. of resources yeah absolutely um, yeah and it's the open-ended nature of them that, that makes them yeah. really useful in that you can talk about, you know, a good collection of buttons. You can talk about all sorts of mathematical things within yeah. that, can't you? You know, the shapes, the sizes, the colours, the patterns, as oh. well as the number and so on. Yeah, We were chatting the other day about with buttons that that differentiation is easy within that group. So you can with a, you might be saying playing the same kind of sorting game. I'm playing a game with the girls at the minute where we each close our eyes and take a button and reveal it to each other and they tell me something that's the same and something different. And for those girls who are just at the level of colour, that's great. But then I've got girls who are looking at the shape or the number of holes in the middle or large and small. So mm-hmm. you can just extend that to, to match the girl rather mm-hmm. than... You couldn't do that resources. with a compare bear. <laughs> No, but you're right though. In the in the if you think about compare bears, they they are uh what I'm guess I think they're three different colours or four different colours maybe. Three, three sizes. And three different sizes. Whereas actually, yeah. if we want things to be mathematically rich, I think you know the world out there is is mathematically rich, isn't it? Yeah, four colours and three sizes is not is yeah. not really is not really it, I don't think, in terms of being mathematically rich. Certainly quite interesting, isn't it, to think about. Um, so you've certainly you've thought about resourcing, definitely. What about sort of um I suppose routines and things like that? Is is that something that you've looked into 
I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing. Definitely. Yeah. So things like, do I mention the self-registration, making that a, a very mathematical process, um, having those little elements of, of number and maths throughout the day. Um, Cal- we do calendars, you know, scoring off the days. Um, yeah. So in nursery with the self-registration, I'm starting with pictures of themselves and gradually across the year, we, I've made little peg dolls that we can put into frames and it's got their names on. So it's starting with, you know, them at the centre, which is, you know, what it is in nursery. Yeah. Um, and then gradually moving away to the, the more abstract. Um, and then you've got your scoring off calendar every day yeah. where we're in the middle of making a working calendar where the girl we score off the days as we go. And then one of the, the girls will draw a picture just on the little index cards so they draw a picture to decorate that day and at the end of the day we're going to think of five great things of three great things from that day and we write it underneath and it's something to reflect mm. on across the week that's where it becomes very cross-curricular isn't it yeah yeah it's that reinforcement each time isn't it we're just introducing um house points to the girls as well so we've had a big discussion about how we could record the house points and um, so we've come up with um a sheet of paper with 10 10 frames on and they can mark on when they get one and so that's going to be building up that knowledge of counting in tens counting in ones um and when they get to 100 they get a special prize yeah, they get lunch with the head teacher when they get to 100 so when they've filled all their 10 <laughs> frames there's something to aim for yeah and, um, and it is all of and those are all routines aren't they that that sit outside the scheme really mm. and and i think that is quite an interesting thing to think about in that i think one of as i said before i think there are benefits to a scheme but at the same time i think one of the drawbacks is that i think sometimes it makes us feel that maths is covered within that time and then we don't think about maths outside of that time like missing the other bits all of the we whereas maths actually when it's meaningful is, is that's when it to me that's when it's really effective i think that's when it's richer when you have all of the yeah. mathematical moments outside of the maths lesson because there are yeah. so many mm-hmm. and you're always seeing those links aren't you and a story you know picture books are amazing as well there's always so much in books even if it is just subitizing for in within the pictures on a particular page or uh, yeah. talking about you know the one one more pattern in a story like mr gumby's outing or something like that you know using those story times and making the links yeah. we looked at um uh, King Charles's new symbol for the post box the other day, and it's got the three oh, yeah. on the middle, obviously being King Charles the third. And oh. the girls noticed the three, and it's it's brilliant because it is it's everywhere, and it's just trying to to draw on that and make the links explicit for them, so they can see yeah. that real life nature of maths as well and find the joy, mm-hmm. the joy in maths. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. There are, I think, there are far more books, um, children's story books, picture books that are that include mathematical ideas and concepts than than perhaps perhaps in the past you know there would be certain classics that we would go to in the past but actually there are loads now you know there are absolutely loads of fantastic books that are brilliant in terms of mathematics you know there was um there's have you, have you ever seen one is a snail ten is a crab yeah that's a great yeah, book lovely. there's, there's loads you know loads of really interesting books that are fantastic um and and visual you know vi- you know really visually interesting in terms of pattern and, and number and there's some around um um how big is a what how big is a blue whale i think it is and how far can mm-hmm. a kangaroo jump there's all those ones there's really interesting books um which i think is is takes us in a whole new direction doesn't it the idea of sharing a story but also talking about mathematical concepts as part of that 
and the awe and wonder within that as well. There was a little girl um the other day had said, oh, Mrs. Jingles, I wonder how many dots are in a cross because we'd been subitizing. Yes, that was a really good question. Yeah. So we are going, we haven't got round to it today, but we're going to explore different crosses and how many yeah. dots and that's come from... I don't know where it came from. We looked because, and then we looked at the dice pattern of the five and kind of tipped it round so she could see that that well, that's a cross shape and that had five dots. But we thought we could look at the dots. Crosses always have five. Could be a kind of starting point for a bit of an investigation. Which again, you know, that's again easy to differentiate because for some of them they can be looking at five or not five, and for some of them they can be looking much more much more further along really in terms of well how could you make a cross with seven dots i'm not even sure if you can and the lovely thing is we don't know either so actually we're genuinely excited to do the activity (laughs) because i actually want to know the answer to that because i don't know yet yeah well definitely and i i think i i think that that's when often you get the best teaching and learning happening when you're genuinely interested as well because you don't know so you've kind of gone you're going along with it and you're interested Mm -hmm. I think that's great when that happens. You have to definitely be able to say that you, you you don't know everything and you're not the expert, I think, to make it work, especially in early years. You just need and to be able to you, go with we, them, we, don't you? You say to the girls, I don't know, I don't let's know. find out together. And that, that puts them at ease that yeah. we don't have to know yeah. all the time. But that's powerful, yeah, isn't yeah. it? When we go back to that confidence and that feeling of, you know, feeling confident in maths and feeling that you, you can do maths, it, that being able to say, mm-hmm. I don't know, and that being okay... That's yeah. huge, isn't it? Just, just in learning in general. Yeah. No, I, I think that's an important message that actually we say, well, actually, I don't know, and or you know, but but let's find out. I think that yeah. it, those are all important messages. I think as soon as we give the impression that we know everything, that's basically giving the impression that we're we are not learning anymore. We know it all, and actually, that's not the best way to model teaching and learning, is it really? So no, I I'm I'm with you all the way. I think that sounds fantastic. Um, you were talking about the resources and the materials. Um, I wondered whether, and also routines, I wondered about um, tidying up and things like that. Do you feel that, that have you brought maths into that? We've had um, a few different things. So we've had a, a sand timer on the whiteboard with some music at the same time today. Um, so the girls are getting that concept of time. We haven't yeah. managed to actually beat the timer yet, but I'm sure we will. By the we end of will. The yes, that'll be a challenge. Yeah, and the way the resources are stored as well, yeah. I think, like Joanne mentioned about the five frames and things like that and, and arranging things on the shelf in in ways that promote the mathematical features of things. So the way we store our blocks, um, you know, sorting them by shape and size and the way we sort things by colour a lot in a lot of our areas as well. So there's a lot of sorting and matching that goes on during tidy up time. So you almost don't really need to teach sorting and matching as an activity because actually they're doing it every single day in every single area of the classroom. What I think comes across loud and clear as well is that you're talking about mathematics happening right the way across your room and mm-hmm. all the way across the day, you're not talking about the maths area, just the maths area. Mm-hmm. Um, you're yeah. talking about actually maths happening in the blocks and the small world, as well as the water area, as well as the home corner, and as well as all those other spaces. There's maths everywhere. Mm-hmm. We do have maths, you know, little maths areas, don't we? We've got a counting station in my classroom, and you've got a maths games table. Yes, a games yours, table. And you've got an area in nursery yeah. where there's kind of 
math, more mathematical resources are stored there mm-hmm. as a kind of prompt, but it is definitely everywhere. And we get really excited when we find something from the home for the home corner that has got a mathematical element. You know, when you find a set of four cups and saucers that you can use or an egg yeah. box with four wooden eggs and, you know, those kind of things, I think as early as teachers do bring us joy because <laughs> they're going to, um, we also you have, can see that potential straight away. Of, um, biscuit packets and chocolate boxes yeah, that chocolate are arranged box in tray. lines of things. I mean, they all have to buy yeah. those and use that. That's my favourite resource for maths is a chocolate box. The, you know, the insert from a chocolate box with the different, um, or packet yeah. of biscuits, you mm-hmm. know, where it's got three or it's got five and jammy dodgers come in a five frame, which is just amazing. So that's, <laughs> that's my favourite. just have to eat them. <laughs> They are typical. Those are the sorts of things that as early as teachers, we spot straight away, don't we? Yeah, and the excitement about the packaging. (laughs) A set of jammy dodgers comes in a a five frame. It's classic, isn't it? (laughs) I wonder if they even know that. (laughs) Ice cube trays as well, the silicon ones, you can get those in. It makes fabulous 10 frames Mm -hmm. for games. Mm -hmm. We've got stash of egg boxes in tens as well, haven't we? Mm -hmm. From one set of eggs is in tens. Yeah. And uh, of course, silicon ice cube trays and, and baking trays, you know, like that, you know, those sorts of things are great for different areas. You know, they can go into the home corner, they could go into the dough area, they could go outside in the mud kitchen. Yeah, we do have a lot of stuff like that in our mud kitchen. Um, yeah. Where we've got, you know, like the, the bun tins with the cake cases in and things like that. So, yeah. you know, we haven't got a maths area in the mud kitchen, but we have got those resources that promote that. Thinking and that those moments to happen yeah. because if you don't have those resources, that moment about oh, I've got six and there's two more spaces, that's not going to happen if you haven't got those types of things. So we've we've tried yeah. hard yeah. to think about what goes where and to be very mindful of of how we organise our resources. That sounds fantastic. Have you thought about maths outdoors? Is that something that you've talked about? So we've talked about inside, haven't we, quite a bit? Have you have you thought about maths? Yeah, it's probably similar. So similar types of resources outside, you know, lots of loose parts, lots of um, things like the, the trays and the buntins and, and containers. I think containers are important, aren't they? Because then they have something to count into and count out of. We do have little sheds in our outdoor. We've got a kind of outdoor classroom area straight out from our classrooms, like lots of people obviously do. We do have a maths shed in that area with which is not kind of all the maths there, but it is where we store things that will be useful for maths. So we always have them to hand and we have things like coloured bottle tops, don't Mm -hmm. we, in in containers along the wall. So that that loose parts element is definitely outside. The big foam sparkly shapes. Yes, they're lovely. Um, They're really nice because they have different... um, they're one of my favourite resources because they have different shapes. It's not just your classic triangle and your cla- you've got different rectangles and different triangles. So you have those great conversations about well, which ones are triangles and which ones aren't triangles and how and do you how know do it's you a know? triangle? Um, what do you notice about this triangle? Yeah, so that variety, I think, is really important. Fantastic. And and um, obviously you're quite early on with this, aren't you, in that you're a, you're a relatively new team. And you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of building on this. Um, have you got a plan for where you're going next with it? You know, are, are, have you identified actually we've come so far already in a short period of time around developing the mathematics inside and outside? We've already we're already doing quite doing a lot, an awful lot by the sound of it. But is, is there something you've identified? Do you think actually yeah, we want to do that next, that we want to build that in that in next? I think for me, it's really clarifying that curriculum progression and how we, what we want to teach across the year through from nursery into reception, mm-hmm. thinking really carefully about perhaps how we organise that in nursery with our nursery one and two mm-hmm. girls and those girls who might be there for two years. And I'm, it's something kind of still playing around with, really thinking, yeah. well, do we do similar both years and, and hope the girls access it at different levels or do we need to have a bit more of a, a cycle going on? Um, 
so I think that's that's probably the big one. And also learning more math games ourselves because we've pulled lots and lots of it and finding more books and finding more kind of starting points for learning. We kind of want to have a, a rich variety of those. And between us, we're kind of gathered together lots yeah. and lots and lots. Yeah. But there's things that I've used before, for example, in reception that Louise has never used and vice versa. So I think building our own knowledge of, of what's out there and how it can be used, I think, and the knowledge, the knowledge of our whole team, I suppose, mm -hmm. the knowledge of our teaching assistants as well. So that... For me, that's the crucial part. Actually, if we've got the subject knowledge, then we'll yes. be confident to to play with the resources and play with the curriculum, yes. and we'll know then whether the progression's right. Because then, when you're working with the girls, you know what to do next because you know yes. how children develop in maths, and we know what our expectations are at certain points. So I think that teacher subject knowledge and staff subject knowledge, and sharing that with the mm -hmm. parents as well, I think is really important for them to have that understanding of why it's important that we do these games, mm. what the girls are actually getting from the games, because there's so many skills. Mm. I want to highlight that to the parents so that they understand the method mm. behind the madness, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, we've talked about having them in for a workshop yeah. as well, haven't we, and, and teaching teaching them some more games, the same as we would do for phonics or writing, but try and do that a little bit more with maths. Yeah. So not much yeah. to do then. <laughs> that was quite a long list. We'll definitely keep you busy. We've almost, we've kind of come full circle, haven't we? Because we started off talking about how you'd run meetings for parents right at the start. Yeah. And you were talking about kind of subitizing and the language of mathematics and what you were aiming for. And uh, and then, of course, that com also comes into what you want to do next is that con kind of continued education of parents in terms of what we're aiming for. Um, because I do think, I agree, I think that's really important because um, we want that learning at school to be embedded at home, don't we? We want, we want right. parents to grasp those opportunities of talking about number, but to do it in the way that you're talking about number, mm -hmm. you know, so that we are, so that hopefully they are playing a game or making up a maths game or creating something or being creative with numbers and having that high level of investigation that you're talking about in school and then follow, hopefully following that on at home as well. Um, fantastic. Th thank you ever so much for joining me for the for the podcast. It's really, really interesting to hear it from your side, you know, kind of, the, and I'm sure people who are listening in will find it really interesting to think about actually what it is that you've done within a short period of time, both in terms of nursery, your nursery practice and in terms of your reception practice. And that, that idea of, you're never finished, are you? You know, we are, we are never finished. You never, we're never at a point where we look at it and we say, yeah, we've done absolutely everything we could possibly do. But what comes across, I think, it, really powerfully through talking to you is that real spark and that togetherness uh, of all three of you to say, well, actually, you know, we re we're really interested in maths and we want the children to be interested in maths. We want our, our girls at the school to be fascinated by maths and to have that clear vision for that. So, yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been super to, to listen to the story of, of kind of where you're at with it and, and what you're going to do next. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. So there you go. Thank you very much to Kate, Joanne and Louise at Newcastle High School for Girls. Um, I love that idea that the team were talking about there of teaching early maths being like a kind of mathematical milkshake, you know, a real mixture of different experiences and opportunities. And I think that is so important, really important, I think, to think about maths not just as being catered for 
within a particular scheme, so at one particular time of the day, but as something that happens very much meaningfully across the whole day, really. And if this is something that's got you interested in exploring further, if it's got you thinking, then we've got a great course that I think would be well worth you looking into. It's called It's More Than A Math Scheme. And there are details all about it on the Early Excellence website. Um, in fact, we'll put a link to it in the podcast information so you can go to it and have a look. Okay. Right, so that's about it for this week. Um, Thank you again for listening. I hope you found it interesting. I'm sure you have. The team were absolutely fantastic and and they were really interesting to talk to and had such a lot that they wanted to share with us. So it's brilliant. Thank you very much to them. Um, We'll see you next week, everybody, when we will be joined by the inspirational Tricia Lee, who will be talking all about her fantastic new book, which is called The Growth of a Storyteller which is all about helicopter stories in action and what that looks like as part of practice. Okay, so thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great week.